Now I want to pick up from there. Those that know that God is their source have learned to understand the importance of tithing. Now I've been your pastor for well over 40 years now. I guess it's coming up on, well I'm 65. We became the pastors at 23, so coming up on 42 years. I will tell you what I've seen back in the 80s in the hardest days, in the 90s in the hardest days. Our families were so careful with their tithing. It seems that when everything is going well, people get a little sloppy with their spiritual disciplines. But when things are tight and people understand the importance of living right, it is amazing how faithful people are with their tithing. Now, as a young pastor in the 1980s, I thought it would be exactly the opposite. Forgive my poor logic and my lack of faith. I thought in the hard times, people would stop tithing, and in the good times, people would tithe. But in my experience as your pastor in 42 years, it's exactly the opposite. When people know that they have to have God's provision in their life, they are so, so careful about their tithing. Now, I want to begin to teach you a principle, and I'm not going to teach it to you from any of what is called the law of Moses. I'm going to teach it to you pre-law. Everybody say pre-law. I'm going to teach it to you from man's just normal relationship with God hundreds of years before Moses ever wrote the law, because that's what everybody wants to say. Well, it's under the law, so you don't have to do it. As I said when we were closing last week, people who make such a statements are number one, demonstrating ignorance of the Scripture, and number two, they're also demonstrating intellectual dishonesty because it's before the law. It's, it's like a lot of other principles about a relationship with God. It was incorporated in the law, like having faith in God, like loving God, like having no other God before Him. These were all principles that people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived hundreds of years before the law. But yes, they were incorporated into the law because it was part of man's normal relationship. And the people of Israel had not had a relationship with God in their time in Egypt. So as Moses brought them out of Egypt to go to the promised land, he not only had to teach them how to be a nation, he had to teach them how to have a relationship with God. The same kind of a relationship that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had. So I'm going to talk to you all about pre-law. Everybody say pre-law. Well, men were learning to have a relationship with God. And I want you to see the principle. And the principle is this. Tithing has a direct impact upon your future. Everybody say tithing impacts my future. Now let me show you three examples of that. In Genesis chapter 2 verses 8 to 17, when God created Adam and Eve, He placed them in the garden. He placed them in a place of total abundance. For lack of time, I won't read all the scriptures, but read there in verses 8 through 17. They lived in total abundance. They did not have to plant anything. All they had to do was take care of what God had already created, to tend the trees that God had already created. There would have been vineyards there. There would have been mango trees there. There would have been durian trees there. There would have been apple trees there. I mean, it, it was full of abundance. And for all of their food, they just had to reach up and get it. 
Life was easy. Life was good. They lived in abundance. But God had one request of Adam and Eve. He says in verses 16 and 17, You may surely eat of every tree that is in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. God said, there's one thing that I want you to show respect for. This belongs to me. Everybody say, this is mine. Now, the beautiful thing is, he said, you can eat of the tree of life. He said, there's only one tree you can't eat of, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Every other tree you can eat of, even the tree of life. Now, please forgive me. Would you rather eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or would you rather eat of the tree of life? Which one would you rather eat from? Me, I'd rather eat of the tree of life. God said, there's one thing I don't want you to touch, and it's not good for you anyway. Now, what happened was they took care of everything. In verse 15, it said to work it and to keep it, ESV. NLT said to tend it and to watch over it. So they had to walk up and take care of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but they weren't to touch it. Now, the Hebrew word here, touch, we need to spend some time on. Because he said you're to take care of it, you're to tend it. In other words, they had to prune the tree, they had to make sure the tree had the weeds taken out around it. They had to take care of the tree, but they were not to touch it. Now, the Hebrew word here for touch in Genesis 3 verse 5 literally means to seize or to take possession of. It doesn't mean to just touch it with your finger. No, they touched it all the time with their hands to take care of it and to tend it. But touch here, the Hebrew word means don't seize it. Don't try to take possession of it. It's the same Hebrew word that's used in Jeremiah 12 verse 14 when God said concerning all the evil natures, neighbors who touch the heritage I have given to my people Israel to inherit. He said, you know, all these other nations, you're trying to take possession of the land I gave to Israel. Everybody say, take possession of. Say it again. So here's Adam and Eve. They're in this total place of abundance. They have to take care of this tree, tend it and watch over it. But they are not to seize or take possession of it. Now the problem is, that's exactly what they did. And the next thing you know, they lose something. Their future is drastically changed. On the day that they refused to respect the one thing and all that abundance God had given them, that God said, this is mine, don't touch this. Don't take possession and try to take control of this. The one thing God asked them not to mess around with, and they did, their future changed. In Genesis 3, verses 23 and 24, they lost their place of abundance. God drove them out of the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3, verses 17 and 19, they said, from now on, you're going to have to work and plow the ground, and you will eat by the sweat of your brow. In other words, everything in your future is going to get more difficult. Everybody say, get more difficult. Say it again. He said, everything is going to become more difficult. You'll still eat. I'll still provide for you. I'll still make the crops grow. I'll still send rain on the land. But it's going to get more difficult for you. At this point, you've just been eating whatever you want in a place of abundance. But now I'm driving you out of the place of abundance. 
I'm putting you into a place that's going to be more difficult. It's going to be more of a struggle. You're going to have to work harder. Verse 19 says, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Everybody say, by sweat. So life got harder. His whole, their whole future changed. Now, when you understand that, you begin to understand why Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 says, you're under a curse because you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. It's like they, they didn't go back and look at man's beginning relationship with God and realize that when they messed around with what belonged to God, their whole future changed. Everything became more difficult. When you understand this, then you understand when Malachi says, you know what, when you steal the tithe, there's a curse that comes upon your life. Things are not as easy. Everybody say, it's not as easy. Now let's look at a second illustration of the tithe affects our future. This guy's name is Abraham. You know him very well, and you know this story very well. Now, you cannot say this is under the law. Abraham is saved by faith, remember? Paul teaches, him, teaches us that he is our great example of salvation by faith, not by works. Now, you look at Abraham, and here is Abraham in Genesis 14, verses 17 through 20. He has just defeated the kings of the valley and rescued Lot and taken back all the, the possessions that belonged to Lot and everybody else from the city of Sodom and all the, the cities that these kings had, had conquered. Now, when he comes back, he's all the way up in Dan, which is up in, in northern Israel. Those of you that have been with us in Israel, when we go up to uh, the, the northern section to Tal Dan and we look at that big arch, there's actually still the arch in the city of Dan that they have uncovered. And you can actually see the arch that Abraham would have walked through in this battle campaign. Now, when he comes all the way back from there to Jerusalem, he brings the tithe to Melchizedek. Why was he so careful about the tithe? He had no intention on keeping any of the money. He said, I do not want these people to say that they've made Abraham rich. He had no intention of keeping anything, but he's very concerned about his future because he is a man who is an alien in the land. Yes, God had promised him the land, but all these other nations controlled the land. He recognizes he's just made himself a stench in the nostrils of the people of the land because he's just conquered these seven small kings, and now these people are going to attack him. Very similar to how Jacob felt when his sons killed the king and, and wiped out that village after they'd raped their sister. He said, you've made us a stench in the nostrils of these people, and he was afraid for his life. Abraham recognizes, I have a problem in my future now. I'm going to have everybody wanting to attack me now because I've lived here peacefully all these years, and they've allowed me to live here, and nobody has fought with me in all these years, and now I've conquered seven kings. People are going to be attacking me. People are going to be wanting to fight. I'm no longer going to be considered a friendly person. So he brings the tithe to Melchizedek, who is the pre-incarnate Christ. He's Jesus before his birth through Mary, through the Immaculate Conception. He's, he's walking among us as high priest in the ancient city of Salem, which is Jerusalem. You find that story in Hebrews chapter 10, I believe. Now, when he comes... He brings the entire tithe and gives it to God, even though he's not going to touch any of this money. He's given it all back to these people. 
but because under law it belonged to him, under the ancient laws of war, the plunder belonged to him. He's not going to keep it, but he says, first, we're going to honor Jesus. We're going to honor God with the tithe. And how does God respond to him? In Genesis 15, verse 1, after he receives the tithe, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Abraham was careful about the tithe because he recognized, I need God to protect what I have. I need God. To, I'm going to give all this back, but all these people are going to be after me now. And I need God to protect what I have. So I'm going to honor Messiah. I'm going to honor Jesus. And really it's beautiful how Melchizedek, the pre-incarnate Christ, greeted him with the bread and the cup. Communion before the cross. It's very beautiful. The symbols of salvation before the cross. And he honored him with a tithe of everything. And his God's response to him was, I will be your shield and your very great reward. Everybody say, protection, ulitinatan, protection and prosperity. Let me give you another illustration. Again, before the law. Jacob was concerned about his future. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 17, he has to leave his father's household. He and his mother have deceived his father. He's taken his brother's blessing. He's taken Esau's blessing. Esau now says he's going to kill him. He has to leave the household. And all by himself, he's traveling across the deserts. And he's going to his uncle Laban's home. He has no idea about the future. And all of a sudden, on one of those beautiful desert nights, he looks up and he sees a ladder into heaven. And it's beautiful how the New Testament, Jesus is the ladder. Everybody say, Jesus is the ladder. Nothing comes in and out of heaven unless it goes through Jesus. Jesus is the ladder. That's a whole sermon in itself. But God appears to him and begins to speak to him. And he looks and he says, all right, God, if you'll be with me and you'll keep me on, the way, on this way I go, he said, God, are you going to take care of my future and give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace? Then the Lord shall be my God. Not no longer the God of my grandfather Abraham or the God of my father Isaac. You're going to be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. I will bring the tithe to you. So here again is a man acting just like his grandfather, recognizing that part of a relationship with God is to honor God with the tithe. He probably learned it from his grandpa Abraham. And he says, all right, God, I have no clue about my future. I'm on my own. I'm going to see people I've never met. My brother wants to kill me. I have no idea if I, if I will even make it alive. But God, if you'll take care of me, if you'll provide for me, if you'll bring me back home, you will be my God, and I will bring you a tithe of everything. Now, beloved, I don't know tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. But I do know that if you're concerned about your future, if you look at Adam and Eve, if you look at Abraham, if you look at Jacob, you begin to understand that the tithe 
has a direct impact upon your future. Everybody say, my future. Say it again. Now you say, well, pastor, why does this work? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out for you a blessing until there is no more need. Until there's no more what? Now, beloved, straight up talk. God made that promise to the people of Israel. Malachi wrote that during a time of exile, during hard times. I believe it's during the time of Haggai the prophet. He wrote that to them and said, listen, you, you want your future to be changed. You need an open heaven. Now, I, I don't know tomorrow. I read the economics, and you know me, I've studied economics since I was a young, young boy. I, I love studying it. It's a nice science to study. But when you look at the economic situation of the world, and you look at what great economists of the world are saying, and you, you, you look at all of the danger signs, we, we do have some difficult days ahead unless God has mercy. Brothers and sisters, how many of you want God to bless you? Would you raise your hands? Then please, simply honor Him with what belongs to Him. Honor the tithe. Are we still here? It opens the windows of heaven. It doesn't matter what the economies of this world are. It opens the windows of heaven where our provision, as I taught you last week, comes from. Tithing affects your future. Well, I'm not going to tithe. The only person that's going to hurt is you. Are we still here? Well, you know, I saw these preachers on TV and they were so corrupt, I'm not going to tithe. The only person that's going to hurt is you and your family. I've seen some of the worst corruption in the Christian world in my life. Jesus, they say, lived in the most corrupt period of Israel's history with their religious establishment. But Jesus still taught tithing. We've taught you that many times in the past. Jesus said, don't neglect this. Don't neglect tithing. Now, beloved, sometimes you just have to decide. Do I want to respond to what everybody else says, or do I want to make sure for the future of me and my family is taken care of? Then we learn to tithe. Now, very quickly, let me walk you through some principles. How do you tithe? Tithing starts with an attitude. A tither recognizes that everything in this earth belongs to God. Psalms chapter 50, verse 10 and 11. For every beast of the field is mine, the cattle of a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. Haggai 2, verse 8. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Everything in this world belongs to God. The face mask that you're wearing right now belongs to God. I didn't hear you. Your shoes, everything in this world belongs to God. And that's where the, the heart of a tither begins. You recognize people always want to put their names on things if they own them. But it's not true. Biblically, everything in this world belongs to God. A tither understands that the tithe belongs to God. Leviticus 27, verse 30, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy 
to the Lord. Verse 32, and every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all the passing of the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. Everybody say, it all belongs to God. And rather than just laying out the doctrines in de detail, I'm just giving you a few verses on each truth for the, for the sake of time. We, we know these things very well. A tither also has an attitude that understands that any increase that comes in your life comes because God blessed you. Everybody say, God blessed me. Now, I know that there are Christians that don't believe that, but even the devil understands that. I read you again the verse earlier from, from Job chapter 1 verse 10. Even the devil understood that all the blessings that came to Job's life, all the increase that came to Job's life came from God. Everybody say, the increase comes from God. He pours out a blessing until there is no more need. Psalms 115, verse 14, we pray for it. May the Lord give you increase. Look around at people and say, may the Lord give you increase. That's a beautiful prayer to pray for other people and to pray for yourself. You get up in the morning and say, Lord, give my family increase today. Lord, we have business deals to do. We have things to sell. Lord, bring increase to my family today. You recognize that God is the source of all increase. A second attitude. We recognize that tithing only has to deal with that increase. God is never taking something from us. Everybody say, never takes from us. Now, now this is something you have to get deep in your heart because the devil will want to make you believe that God is taking something from you. That's how he got Adam and Eve to touch what belonged to God, that, that this is good for you, you need this. You have to understand, God isn't taking anything from us. He brings blessing to us and said, now a piece of what I gave you belongs to me. Everybody say, a piece of the increase. Not all of the increase, just a piece of the increase belongs to God. So he's not taking anything from you, he's saying, I'm giving all of this to you and just a piece of that belongs to me. This is why tithing is only done when there's an accounting. Leviticus 27, verse 32. And every tithe of the herds and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the herdsman's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. God doesn't come to you and say, I want a tithe of everything in your bank account. No, because that's what you already have. The tithe is only from new increase. Everybody say, new increase. So when you get your paycheck, that's an accounting. You return the tithe to the Lord. When you sell a piece of property, you deduct from it the cost of the property, any interest payments that you had to make, expenses that you had to put into it, and then whatever the net profit is, only the tithe of the net profit, the tithe of the increase belongs to God. If there is no increase, there is no tithe. Everybody say, if no increase, no tithe. Now, I've heard guys stand up and try to raise money telling people, you know, if you're believing God for a business deal, then give God the tithe on that business deal in advance. You have never heard me teach that. God never asked for something that you hope to happen. He said, no, no, no. The tithe is only done when there's an accounting and you can see the increase I have given you. Everybody say, Hold the increase. It's not something by faith. 
It's something that's already done. Everybody say, I have received it. Now, when you see the increase, and you make an accounting for the increase, then you take the tithe and say, all right, now this belongs to God. Everybody say, 10%. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, it is holy to the Lord. Holy means separated. You separate it to the Lord. From the time Shasha was little and she would get her allowance, I would say, now what's the first thing you do with your allowance, sweetheart? She said, separate the tithe. And we taught her from a little girl, as soon as you get blessed, you take 10% and you put it in a different part of your wallet or you put it in your offering envelope already and you set that aside for God. It's holy. Everybody say, holy means separated to the Lord. You don't touch it. You don't play with it. You don't mix it up with your own money. It belongs to God. Halimbawa. Let us say Pastor Manalo gave me 5,000 pesos and said, Pastor, the next time you are in New Valley, there's this, no, the next time you go to Tagaytay, there's this special place that sells buko pie. And I want you to bring me 10 buko pies. Now, you shouldn't do that because we would get too big. And I'd like three strawberry buko pies. But I want the one that's really full of buko, not the one that's buko and flour together. The original buko pie. I'm going to go get the original buko pie. Now, when I took that money, I would not just stick it in the back of my wallet. I would keep it separated because it's not mine. Everybody say, not mine. You never mix somebody else's money with your own money. And everybody said? And everybody said? You never mix the money. If you ever start mixing other people's money with your money, you will always be in trouble with people. Never mix the money. I don't mix God's money with my money. It is holy to the Lord. Everybody say holy. Say it again. Now, some of you, you do your tithing by check, and that's wonderful. But you sit down and you write the check immediately and you stick it in the envelope or you stick that check in your wallet. You've separated the money. Everybody says separated. Then you bring the tithe to God. Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe of the storehouse. Everybody say bring. Do you remember with um, Abraham? He didn't tell Melchizedek now, Melchizedek, I've already been on a long journey to Dan. I've had big battles. I'm tired. Melchizedek, I, I, want, I want to give, bring the tithe to you, but Melchizedek, uh, you, you come up to me up here. I, I don't want to travel to Jerusalem. No. He went to Jerusalem, the ancient city of Salem. He went to Jerusalem, and he brought the tithe to Melchizedek, the high priest, referring to Jesus. You go all through the Scripture. Deuteronomy 12, 11, There you shall bring all that I command you. Deuteronomy 14, verse 24 and 25, he said, if it's too far to, to bring your cattle or your goats or your sheep, he said, if you live too far, he said then, verse 25, he said, turn it into money and bind the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses. You always bring it. Every place in Scripture, tithe and offerings are spoken of, you are to bring it. You are to what? Nowhere in the Bible does it say send it. 
Every place in the Bible that speaks of tithing and offerings, it's about an act of honor to God. It's an act of relationship. It's that everybody say honor and relationship. Now, now, beloved, this is why all during the lockdown, you never heard me talk about money in, in the morning and the evening services twice a day during all that lockdown because I, I didn't want you to give online. Please forgive me. I know that's the new modern trend in the whole world. And Pastor Summerall, we need to get into technology. You know how much I like technology. I love the stuff. I, I'm, everywhere I go, I'm the techie pastor. Would you please teach us how to do this? But this isn't about technology. This is not about convenience. This is about honor for God. It's about what? You bring this to God as an act of honor, as an act of thankfulness for what God has done for you. You know, it, the, tithing is not about raising money in this modern, how much money can we get? That's, no. Tithing is about a man's walk, a man's relationship with God and the honor that he wants to bring to God and the thankfulness he wants to bring to God because of all that God has done for him and the increase that God has brought into his life. So please, you bring the tithe. Everybody say, bring it. Say it again, please. All through the years, I've had people call me, Pastor Summerall, would you come by and collect my tithe? I have a big tithe check, Pastor. No. Bring it next Sunday when you come to church. That's not, who, that's not what we are to do. It's not about money for the church. It's about you honoring the relationship you have with God. Are we still here? It's one of the reasons why I love us to bring the tithe and lay it on the altar before the Lord. Not just put it in little baskets going by. It should be an act of honor. As you come down to these altars, you, you bring that tithe envelope and say, Father, you made a way where there was no way again. Lord, you've brought increase to my family, and I don't even understand how you've done it so beautifully. But Father, here, here is what belongs to you. Here is a tithe of the increase you have brought to me, and I thank you for what you have done for me. Now, if you want the blessings of the tither, you have to do it the way God said do it. God didn't say send it. God said bring it. Everybody say bring. Then he said bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now, full tithe, not, not a piece of the tithe. In other words, consistency and completeness. Everybody say consistency and completeness. Every time there's an increase, you bring the tithe to God. Completeness, full tithe. You don't say, God, you know, the, the tithe is kind of big this time, so I'm going to give it to you in five gives. No. He gave you the increase. You separate what belongs to him, and you bring the full tithe. And then you bring it into the storehouse. This is the place where you receive your spiritual food. Now, beloved, straight up talk. In all the years you've known me, you have never heard me say, don't give to anybody but COP. Never heard me talk like that. In your whole life, you've never heard me talk like that. I've never told you, don't give to that television ministry, don't give to that. You've never heard me talk like that. The offering you distribute wherever you want to distribute it. And everybody said? And everybody said? Just make sure it's good ground so there's a harvest. But the tithe belongs 
in the storehouse, the place where you receive your spiritual food. And I always give you the illustration of this lady. She came right down that aisle. This is years ago. I said, Pastor Summerall, I'm going to be attending this church. I said, well, thank you. We'd love to have you. But I want you to know that I give my tithe to Benny Hinn. I said, whatever. Didn't hear anything from her for a while. One day she called me on the phone. I don't know how she got my phone number. Obviously, she was very good at getting things. She called me on the phone and said, Pastor Summerall, do you remember me? I said, she reminded me of our conversation. I said, yes. She said, I'm in the hospital. I want you to come and visit me. I said, I'll call Benny. She said, oh, Benny can't come. I said, sure he can. He has a jet airplane. He's in Singapore right now. Call him. He can be here in about three hours. Has his own jet. He can, he can be here real quick. She said, well, why won't you come? I said, well, you tied the Benny so you believe that all of your spiritual food and care comes from Benny, so have Benny come. She said, he can't come. I said, no, he won't come. Now, long story short, of course I went to pray for her, okay? A few weeks later, she's out of the hospital. She came straight down the same aisle again. She said, Pastor Summerall, I think I've learned and I understand. The tithe is so that the pastors of COP can take care of me. I said, yes. Are we still here? Are we still here? And she, she got it. Now, brothers and sisters, the storehouse is, is about making sure that there's abundance so that the ministry can take place. The tithe was to be used to support all of the ministry work of the church. This is why at COP, have you noticed there's no paid concerts? You notice we don't charge people 700 to 1,000 pesos to water baptize anybody. We don't charge people for seminars. We don't charge people for overnight prayer meetings. Have you ever noticed? And people make fun of us. Everything at COP is free. That's the way it's supposed to be. You honor the Lord with the tithe. There's abundance in his house. And all the ministry is just taken care of in Jesus' name. Did you learn something today? Would you stand with me, please? Tithing is not about God taking something from you. Tithing is about unlocking heaven. Everybody say, about an open heaven. About an open heaven. Tithing is about an open heaven for my future. God doesn't want what you have. God wants to bless you. Tithing is not about getting money from people. Tithing is about getting God's provision to people. Are we still here? Let me say that again. Tithing is about getting God's provision to people. You see, the tithe opens the windows of heaven. Your offerings determine what flows back through. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. With the same measure you give out is the same measure you receive. The, the offering determines how much flows through, but the tithe is what opens the windows of heaven. God said, you can be trusted with increase because you are faithful to what belongs to me. May I please humbly beg of you, you, you can't go back and unscramble scrambled eggs. Please, God is not interested in collecting back debts. Please. 
That's not who God is. But what you can do is from this day forward, very carefully, every time there's an accounting in your life and your family, you set aside what belongs to God from the increase. Everybody say the increase. Like, have you noticed you don't tithe on a second-hand car when you sell your car? What kind of car did you sell recently, Brother Manala? What was the last car you sold? Avanza. You sold your Avanza. You don't pay tithes on selling the Avanza. How many years old was it? Ten years old. We sold one of our Odysseys. 100,000 kilometers. I didn't tithe on selling, the, on selling the Odyssey. Why? We lost money. We'd used it and consumed. There's no increase. Now, back in the 80s, I used to buy cars, go to Benawi Street, buy parts, fix them up, drive it for a year, Back in the 80s, you could sell a car at a profit. Do you remember those days, Ty? I mean, we could actually drive a car for a year and sell it for more than we paid for it. There was increase. That's what we tithed on. But when there's loss, there's no tithe. God only asks for a tithe on the increase. Are you getting this? He's not wanting to take anything from you. He's just saying, please, honor and respect what I have done in your life, and the windows of heaven will be open, and there's going to be more increase in Jesus' name. Now, those of you that didn't turn in your tithing commitment forms last week, maybe you want to stick it in the box on the way out, or those of you who just received them today. This, this is up to you. Nobody's going to follow you up. Nobody's going to go around and say, are you exactly tithing? Like one pastor, I told them how we report financially to the church members every year. And in the annual business meeting, the audited financial statements, he said, I don't do that. I said, why not? He said, when the church members bring me their W-2 forms, it was in the U.S. He said, when the church members bring me their W-2 forms and prove that they've faithfully tithed, then I'll show them the church financial statements. I thought, you silly person. We don't do that around here. Nobody's going to go investigate you. This is... This is between you and God, your personal relationship with God. Are we still here? This is something you have to decide. This isn't Moses' law. This is how God has always laid it out. This is, this is how God blessed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, I can lay it out, show you Jesus taught tithing. I can take you into Paul's writings. I believe it's in Hebrews 7 where Paul uses tithing as an illustration. If we don't do it, why would Paul use it as an illustration? Beloved, let's stop the argument and just humble our hearts before God and do what He asks us and watch God bless us. Now let me ask you a question. How many tithers are here? All the tithers, raise your hand. Does God bless you? Does God make a way where there's no way? Does God bring increase to you in ways that people look at you and say, how are you so blessed? Yeah. I mean, you just, you just look around and you go, how did that happen? There's an open heaven. There's a what? 
Now, please, let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for your people's faithfulness before you. But, Father, there are new folks among us. And, Lord, they're hearing things, and it touches our love for money. It touches our pride. It's easy to turn it away. But, Father, I ask for hearts to be humbled. And, Lord, as they do it, let them see heaven opened. Let them see your goodness flow to them. Lord, of the only place in the Word that you taught us that we have a right to test you, to test and see your reality, is in the tithe and the offerings. As they test you, Father, let them see how real you are in their life. Let them see the reality of God, that you're not just a story, that you're their Father who will always provide for them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, when Melchizedek, the high priest of the ancient city of Salem, Jerusalem, had no beginning, no end. The book of Hebrews tells us that this was Jesus. Everybody say, this was Jesus. Jesus has always existed. He was the captain of the Lord's host. He was the angel of the Lord. He was Melchizedek. When he came out of Jerusalem to greet Abram after those great victories, he came out and brought him the bread and the cup. The symbols of salvation before the cross. And what was Abram's response to receiving the symbols of salvation? He gave him the tithe. The natural response of thanksgiving and a new relationship with God. Ulitenatan, this bread represents his body. Hung on a cross for me. On that cross, he bore the curse of the law. That the blessings of Abraham and the covenants of promise could flow to me. That poverty and failure would be broken off of my family. God is my provider. I remember what Jesus did for me. Let us partake of the bread together. Ulitanatan, this cup represents his blood washed away all my sins. He never wants me to look backwards in life. He erased all of that. He gives me hope and a future because his blood has washed away all my sins. I remember what my Savior did for me. Let us partake of the cup together.
learned something? Please, never let anybody convince you that tithing is about money. <laughs> Abraham didn't bring money that day. He brought sheep and flocks and goats and herds and pots and weapons of war. That was the plunder. Israel didn't bring money. They brought flocks and sheep and goats and herds. That was their business. Tithing is not about money. It's about an attitude of our hearts that we're submissive to His authority and we want to honor Him and we're thankful to Him for the increase. Amen?